this is something that I can relate to. This is not that thing that corrupts people and that everybody's so worried and stressed about and that I've wanted to ignore all my life. This is actually something I could invite into my life because it's beautiful. Are you ready to tap in to your power within so that your business can reach its truest potential? Hi, I'm Candace Haza, and I help business entrepreneurs access their inner GPS so that their business can grow and thrive. You are here to serve and to create an impact in this world. Welcome to the Intuitive Business Podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. I have a very, very special guest and somebody who I absolutely adore her work, and I'd like to introduce her today. I'm with Sarah McCrum. Sarah has spent 21 years teaching and coaching business owners and their families, and over 10,000 people have joined her online courses about money. She is the author of Love Money, Money Loves You. Her book shows us how we can live in a society that is fundamentally based on love, generosity, and a deep understanding of the essence of humanity. My deepest and warmest welcome, Sarah. Thank you for agreeing to do this with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, your book really has been groundbreaking for so many people. I was introduced to it about a year and a half or two years ago, and it was just amazing to me. When I heard about 286 of the most beautiful pages about a message from money. So how did this start for you? Yeah, it sounds strange in a way, a message from money, but it really was that actually. I was at a very difficult point financially in my life. I just had a business failure, nothing, I had nothing. And I was given a little book that was called How to Become a Money Magnet. And it had exercises at the end of chapters like those kinds of books tend to have. And one of the questions just said, what would money like to say to you? So I was just kind of journaling away, you know, as one does. I didn't have anything else to do at that time. I had no more business to, to occupy myself with. And I literally found that my pen was writing across the page words that were not my own. And the very first thing that I wrote it's like money said to me, I would like to tell you to love me. And you can imagine like, you're sitting there thinking, what would money like to say to me? I, I, I don't think money would probably like to say anything to me. Money doesn't really talk kind of thing. And then these words come out, I would like to tell you to love me. And it's like, wow, what's this? I, I could never, ever have imagined that money would want to say that to me. My pen went on writing. It was really pure, not Sarah writing and gave me this incredibly beautiful message about money and about what it is and you know how we relate with it. It was deeply touching. You know, I still listen to it. I listen to a recording of it often and it brings tears to my eyes just to hear this kind of, oh, this is something that I can relate to. This is not that thing that corrupts people and that everybody's so worried and stressed about and that I've wanted to ignore all my life. This is actually something I could invite into my life because it's beautiful. And what happened then is, as you can probably imagine, you would have done the same thing. It's like, wow, that was a nice experience. I'll try again. And so that two days later, I said, oh, what would money like to say to me today? And money had another message for me. And the first thing it said is you all need to relax about money. 
and it went on. And then I just started doing it every day. And every day I found myself writing a message from money. And it was very, I didn't put any of myself into it. Probably there's a bit of my language, you know, the way I express myself. But when I read it, there's nothing there that I would have written myself. It wasn't what I knew about money. And as you say, it's actually people when they read it, many people have that response like I did. It's like, oh, finally something about money that I can relate to or that I actually want to engage with it. And and it dissolves all that conflict and fear and stress and all the horrible, horrible things that happened because of money. I didn't even really realize I was writing a book until I'd almost finished it. I thought, oh, if I was somebody else, I'd probably publish this. That's what I thought. It's like other other people publish things like this. And so I had to figure out what that meant. <laughs> so then what, ha- what happened? Like, how, Tell me how it got to the moment of, this was really interesting. And then to put yourself into the world as saying, I channeled this somehow out of me. <laughs> But through well, I, <laughs> well, I didn't actually really take that step in a very dramatic way. I have to say, I, I had no money at this point, like really no money. I think I had about maybe a hundred and maybe two hundred dollars in the world, and I spent ninety nine of those dollars to buy a program so I could format the book myself because I wasn't going to be able to get a f- somebody to format it for me. I edited it myself, which was just just checking that there weren't typos in it. So I just read through it over and over again. I put a terrible cover on it, which was just a photo that I really loved. Very, just no use whatsoever. But I did, you know, and I learned how to self-publish in those days on CreateSpace because it was free. And then I... I kind of put it on and I was as naive as to think that if you put it on Amazon, maybe somebody will find it. I'm not sure that they did, but about nine months later, I made five copies of it with some extra writing I'd done that year. So I made a sort of slightly longer version and I gave them to five friends as a Christmas present, but through you know the publishing system, there were, there were real books. And just very little, and I mean really little, I'd sell one book in a month or no books in a month or two books in a month, but I just gave them to a very few people. I was so really, I just can't believe how naive I was. You know, this is 2011, so not that long ago. I was so naive, I had no idea actually what to do with it. And it was a little bit complicated by the fact that I was training with a Chinese master at the time and she didn't want me to publish it. She just didn't want any publicity, didn't want any attention. And I felt that I had to, like I couldn't keep it to myself. It wasn't just for me. So I published it under a different name. I called myself Joy Prospero. And (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, yeah, it was a lovely name. The whole thing was just very strange. And it, it took me a long time, not because I was bothered about having written the book or even about having written it that way, having received the messages. Later, people would say to me, I I did a course some years ago, I think 2016, and part of it was writing a book where I wrote another book. But my kind of writing mentor there said, oh, if you've channeled a book like that, you know, you have to keep that under a different name. Keep it separate from your identity because it will ruin your reputation. So I wrote this other book, which was not... I can relate. (laughs) I bet you can, yeah. And actually, you know, the thing that I discovered is that the moment that I really stood beside that book and said, I did this, 
No, it's not like my ideas. I'm really clear that this was something that was given to me, but I did it. And I could easily have not done it. I could have sat there and said, oh, that's rubbish. I'm not going to do that. But I didn't. I did it every single day. And I, the minute I did that, everything started to kind of gel together. So I was absolutely the reluctant author, reluctant, <laughs> reluctant money person, because I, I was just so switched off from it. But the thing is, it worked for me. And so, you know, once it starts working for you, you can't really deny it anymore. <laughs> well, one of the things you just said that's so important, and I actually learned from your book, you said, I stood by my book. And the other day when I was listening to your book, or originally, actually the first time, I actually took the book and put it in bed with me because I fell oh. in love with it. And I'm not like even kidding. Like I felt so much love and it was the only thing that I had to hold that I knew that was close to the message. And so that's to the listeners today, you know, I bought the audio book and I actually sat in the pool and I put my arms out and I said, I'm open to receive your message. And I literally stayed in that pool most of the day and just fell in love with money. And I said to it, would you hold my hand? And it said, yes. And mm -hmm. it stayed with me. And it's been a beautiful experience for me. This book changed my life. And I really want my listeners to consider purchasing this book for you and for the message, because it's so beautiful and gentle. It's so different than what we know to be the truth of what we think money is but it's not a piece of paper it's an energy and it has a message yes there are people people who are really really sensitive who literally feel that energy what they hold the book and their hands get hot and mm -hmm. things like that people tell me about that every now and then but more significant to me is the fact that people say i read this and then more money started showing up in my life and it wasn't that they went and pursued it or worked hard to get it it's like you said they they opened the book encourages you not to be afraid of money and to welcome it and to to be open to it because it doesn't say it like this in the book, but this is what comes across. It's it's an expression of the generosity of life. And why would you want to turn your back on the generosity of life? Or why would you also want to kind of use that to control people or to be greedy or to abuse power over people? You wouldn't. If you feel and experience that generosity, you can relax into it and enjoy it and be receptive. And a lot of people just start to feel that. Like you said, it just kind of gives them permission to mm -hmm. feel something that they've never allowed before. And so it starts to work because of the energy that comes through it. So I want to stay in this grain that we're talking about. And I want my listeners to hear the truth of some things that happened to me because of the book. So I read your book and I felt so great. And then some of my old money blocks started to show up again. And so recently I've joined Sarah's course, Thank You Money, and The Leading Edge, which is one of her newer programs. So I'm in both. And recently I had an experience in your Thank You Money. Would you mind if I share it? Absolutely. With... You're welcome. So I had this old story. And so 
Sarah was just asking the question, why would you not, after you read the book, like really lean into this generosity? And the true answer to the question is, I still had a block. I had a story. And so there's a part in Sarah's course where she says, you're not usually allowed to play a victim role, but in this moment, we really needed to lean in to a pain or a belief that we had. And it was about an old pain around money. And as soon as she said that, I wrote an exact date of May 13th, 2005. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And so I did the exercise, which was by myself, but Sarah was talking, you know, on the video, but I listened to her and I did the exercise the way that she said. And I just opened up, my whole heart opened up and I start sobbing and I realized I was still angry and I was still afraid, but the story was actually not about I didn't trust that person, but I didn't trust me around bringing the money into my life. And as I was crying and sobbing, and I had an abandonment issue, which I talk about in my book, is in that moment, money said to me, as clear, like I'm sobbing and I hear in my ear, people have abandoned you, but I have never abandoned you. And in that moment, everything changed for me. And I said to money, I'm sorry. You have always been there for me since my birth. I've had challenges, financial, but they were my growth experiences. They weren't where I needed to stay. Money also said, I'm your friend now. Let's take hands and let's walk on this journey. You share your gifts and I'll walk with you. And in that moment, I felt completely healed around my issues with money. So my assistant said this week, she's like, I don't know what's happening in your business, but I can't keep up. And I said, I don't know either. And then I said, oh, <laughs> I just had this really big release in Sarah's program. And she goes, well, you can tell Sarah when we talk to her today, <laughs> we might have to hire somebody else. But she was being funny, you know, but it, the truth of it is I'm not being funny. I was healed in a moment. Yeah, that can happen. Healing is one of those things. Actually, what I would say is healing always happens in a moment, but what's the preparation we need to do to get to that moment? Because I don't want to put, I don't like to put expectations on people that all healing happens in a moment and then they kind of go along to a healer or something and it didn't happen in a moment and then they're disappointed. So you'd already been doing things in the course, you'd mm -hmm. come to trust what I was doing so that you really put your heart into that exercise. And mm -hmm. then you were ready in that moment and then when you get it, like when you see something like that, you can't unsee it. And no. when you see it clearly, without emotion, you just see, oh, that's what I've been doing. Yes. The emotion maybe comes myself. afterwards. But in the moment, you just see, I've never trusted myself with money. Mm -hmm. That's the moment where things change. There's a principle, you know, when we observe something with that kind of clarity, it always evolves, which means we evolve, which means we actually get better we advance. And so there's a huge shift that takes place, yeah, simply through doing something like that. And I've seen, I have to say, I have seen 
so many extraordinary results with that particular process that you were doing there. And it was so easy. It literally was so easy. I did trust and I did it fully and completely and I let myself go and it was comfortable. Really it was, but I did have to be brutally honest with myself. And that's one of the things I believe uh, Sarah is teaching us in her leading edge course is the, let's be honest, what do we stand for? Who are we now, right? And so I'm just so grateful for all of that. One of the things that you talked about was I was prepared for the moment. And I wanna talk a little bit about your preparation for your moment, because I love the fact that you were working with Chinese masters. And I've heard Sarah mention this. So this is a big moment for me, and I hope for my listeners to be able to hear what she did do, what you did work with. Wow, that's, um, so I spent 22 years training with two different Chinese masters. The first seven years with one, he was um, teaching a form of Qigong in London that was called Huagong. And it was very, very beautiful. I went there as somebody who was very British, completely buttoned up emotionally, completely. Very unflowing as a, <laughs> as a very, no sense of energy whatsoever. I was actually very sensitive, but I had no idea that I was, you know. <laughs> so I go along and all these people are doing these exercises, you know, standing in positions and moving exercises. And I was just like, I felt like such a lemon. I couldn't feel anything. I had no idea what was going on. And they were kind of almost ecstatic having these amazing experiences. And I was like completely frozen. Um, so that was my starting point with my first, I still remember my first lesson with that Chinese master. But there was something in the way he talked or something that made me come back. And he used to do these long talks. Sometimes he talked for an hour or two or three hours without stopping. And we would just have to sit and listen. But I felt really at home. I, I, there was something about the Chinese Taoist kind of very balanced, very natural philosophy, everything based in the elements of nature that felt very familiar to me. And so I stayed and I stayed training with him for seven years and I tried really hard to practice every day, which was difficult, you know, because and, and for the first few years, I really didn't experience much. I just stuck in there, you know, I was not a natural like so many people are. It's really funny. I think I'd very much trained myself to switch off. And so it was really hard to open it up again. I do remember though, perhaps about three weeks in when I felt energy for the first time. Before that, I was just doing the exercises, not feeling anything. And suddenly it was like my arms were encased in something and it was holding them up. They were kind of being held out in front of me, if you see what I mean. And it was holding them up and they were, I could rest on this nothing and my arms would just stay there. And it was like, oh, what is, it's like, it's happening. This is it. This is, I kind of realized this is energy. This is what he keeps talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that probably held me for a long time through many difficult moments. There was a lot of emotional releasing in those days that he was teaching us. And I just couldn't do it, you know. I was so out of touch. It was it's really quite incredible to me. But anyway, so I did that, learned a huge amount, eventually trained to be an instructor, and then had this terrible moment. I was given a book about ego. The book was called Essence by A.H. Almas. Um, but actually what I learned from it is that there's this thing called ego in a spiritual way rather than I'd learned about ego in a psychological way at university, but this was different. And I learned that ego was a really huge problem for me. 
I can't remember exactly why, but I, when I read that book, it was like, I started talking about it with everybody, but I knew that I had a problem. And I went to um, an intensive with my teacher and I started probing a bit, asking questions to see if he'd be able to help me with this ego thing that I had. And I discovered that he couldn't. It was really obvious that he had no understanding whatsoever of what I was talking about. And it was like the floor fell out of my world. I, I can remember sitting, I was sitting in a session and I realized that he couldn't help me. And I had no idea what to do. But in the way of things, a few weeks later, I met somebody else, one of my colleagues who'd trained with another Chinese master. And she knew all, <laughs> she knew all about ego. She used to do these things called ego operations, which were kind of terrifying experiences of your truth being exposed in front of hundreds of people, but unbelievably healing. I want to clarify <laughs> ego for a moment. You mean like having a big ego? type of feeling? No, not really. That's what a lot of people think ego is like when people are overconfident or proud. That is a part of ego, but actually ego is anything that holds you back from being your true self. Oh, okay. So being shy is very strong ego. Shame, guilt, being depressed, all of those are a form of ego. They are all energy that stop you from just shining as the person who you are without, and, and the other thing is, oh, I'm so awesome, I'm amazing, that's all ego. Confidence that is, a natural confidence is not ego. And you can create something huge, doesn't have to be based on ego, but pumping yourself up, pumping up your confidence, believing that you're really special and in, in a way that other people aren't, that's all ego and it all gets in the way of you just being you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a human being, I'm a human being. You know, I might have sold more books than you. You've just started, you've just, maybe you sold more books than me, who, who, who knows, you know, but who cares? We're just here doing our thing and we're exactly wherever right. we are in, in our thing. And our thing, in my view, lasts over many lifetimes. So where I am now, you, I can't compare myself with you and make any sensible judgments about anything. But, you know, we do that all the time. So a lot of the decisions that people are making are deeply rooted in parts of themselves that are actually covering themselves over rather than opening and allowing themselves just to be and to shine not because like I'm so bright and I'm so amazing but you just shine because you're you're you mm -hmm. so that's what I mean by ego I wouldn't have been able to say that at the time I had no idea you you learn a lot about ego when you when you do things like I do you learn a lot about ego because um it's such a strong driver so last night I was going to sleep and I was listening to an activation in your leading edge program. And since we're talking about ego, I think that activation kind of had something to do with taking apart the ego. Very likely. It was, it was about going into a dark space. And, you know, usually when you think about healing and healing exercises, you think, woohoo, you know, it's going to be uplifting. And Sarah's like, go there. Yeah. But I felt her strength taking me there and her grounding. Sarah's so incredibly grounded. And I'm sure that in your in her voice, that comes across. So when I was listening to this activation, it was a, a deeper activation. And I feel like it almost had something to do with releasing parts of the ego, the shame. Oh, yes. 
Absolutely, because it was going to those places that you normally resist going to, which often bring up a feeling of hopelessness or pointlessness. You know, these are not the things we even want to know about ourselves, that I feel hopeless sometimes, or I look at the state of the world today. Many people are experiencing this helplessness, or it's like, oh my God, what's what's happening to us? But they don't want to go there. So they either kind of just get stuck, just like <gasps> trying to push it away way, but it's like fighting a battle in every direction with this sinking feeling of, oh my goodness, the world is exploding and I feel powerless in it. Or they kind of manage it and control it. It's like, oh, it's all right. Everything's fine. Da, 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 da. But actually down beneath all of that is where, you know, when we stop projecting parts of ourselves, because it's actually quite real sometimes to feel a pointlessness. There's not something wrong with that. It's just that you don't have the full perspective. If you could see more, you wouldn't feel hopelessness. You would actually see what you can do. Mm. And then you feel strong. So that's what I want to help people to do is stop pushing away, stop projecting all these parts of your experience that are actually just parts of your energy and give it space so that you can find out what's really there, which is always beautiful, powerful stuff that you're looking for. So exactly when you feel that everything is hopeless, you're looking for some sense of purpose, some sense of deep value that will enable you to move forward with meaning. Hmm. But when you reject that experience, you actually never get to the peace that you're really looking for. And so this is quite advanced what we're talking about here. This is not really the, the beginner stuff, but it's useful to know that because I think there's so much fear now around depression and all these things. And unfortunately, in the end, what it does is that it, it limits people. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about the state of the world and the energy in the world right now. And for the, the sense of hope and meaning, what are some things that we can share with people right now that might be feeling those feelings of despair and lack of purpose and might be really struggling in this world right now? Because my feeling is the identity of the world has changed since the pandemic. How we functioned in life is very different now yeah. than it was before. I was in a running a class yesterday and somebody sat in front of me who I know quite well. She's been doing courses with me maybe for a couple of years and she just sat there completely still. And then she said, Sarah, I'm not okay. And then little by little, it was like she was literally melting down in front of me. She didn't really know what it was, but she's in one of the states in Australia that's going in and out of lockdown almost every week. So her business is on, off, on, off. She can't see her daughter because she's the other side of the border. You know, these things that there are millions and millions of stories across the world. Her story is not particularly special in itself, but because of the way she just sat there and she just said, I'm not okay. She didn't go anywhere. There was no gloss at all. It was just naked. This is where I am. It was actually a very powerful, beautiful moment, in fact. But I feel that the point is, like you said, our identity is changing individually and humanity. When that happens, we're faced with choices. 
always when mm-hmm. things change you know when when somebody dies in your life or when something changes in a really big way you have to change you might not want to you might want to just wish that they were still here most people do but you have to change my sister died when i was 30 that was the beginning of all of this for me that was i had to change because the way i had lived up until then didn't hold together anymore. The things I believed in. I, for example, I thought things like that never happened to people like me. Mm-hmm. It was like that happens to other families, not ours. We somehow safe and protected from the death of you know, your sister, my mother's daughter kind of thing. And it did happen. So these are the moments where most of us just want to go into, this isn't happening, this isn't real, I don't want this, go away. But you can't make it go away. And I personally, I actually know that it is safe to look at what's going on. I wish that people taught that. I wish that the public services like the media, which is just it's a bad joke. But, you know, if, if people working in all these systems understood that it is actually safe to look at what's going on, you're not going to completely fall apart. You might sometimes feel as though you are, but those moments when we feel we're falling apart are actually the moments when the new us is growing. And that new person is actually always a better version than the old one. It's just very, very uncomfortable to feel that shell that you've built around you cracking, which is the bit of you that you're so familiar with. That is the ego, actually. It's just the piece that isn't relevant now. It was relevant in the past. It was amazing. It did all the things that you needed it to do. But now you're in a different place in your life. And you actually need to let go of a whole lot of stuff that you have totally relied on. And a lot of that is beliefs and stories about how the world works, how we relate with each other. In this particular case in the pandemic, if you really start to open your eyes and look, just actually look, you find that you know beliefs around medicines and the medical system are going to change. Beliefs and expectations of government are going mm-hmm. to change. That's very challenging because these are the pillars of our society. Mm-hmm. And it's deeply uncomfortable to hold on to believing something when you can see in front of your own eyes that that thing, like we have situations in Australia and I'm sure everywhere where ministers will say one thing the next day, like we will never do this. Five days later, they're saying, oh, we're now gonna do that. If you're somebody who really trusts in government, what do you do with that? It's like this thing that I trust isn't being trustworthy, but if I let go of my trust of that thing, my life is gonna feel like I've got nothing to hold on to. So I'm gonna try to trust something that I can't trust anymore. And so we start to play these games with ourselves. They call it cognitive dissonance in psycho speak, but actually it's just, we play games with our mind to try to hold on to our sense of reality. Reality is changing. And just as when somebody dies, usually you don't die, you actually get through it and you grow in some extraordinary ways. And sometimes you look back in your life and you say, oh my goodness, even I can say I'm grateful to my sister because she gave me such a gift in her passing on 
it's not that I am glad that happened. It's that I'm grateful for what it gave me. And so we are in a huge transition and it is a transition that makes us, pushes us to find ourselves. Mm, so beautiful. Can you say your sister's first name? I just want to honor her in this moment for the gift she's giving us in this she, moment. She was called Jane, Mary Jane, Jane. but Mary really Jane. 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 So Jane, I just wanted to thank you because I know you're with us. Isn't this marvelous seeing your sister and being together? Thank you, Jane, for honoring us in this moment. I'd like to bring her energy in because she's with us. Why not? Yes, yes. Beautiful. She's a beautiful lady too. I can feel her energy is very quite lovely. Yeah. Soft, very soft woman. Yeah, she was soft and probably also lived in a world that didn't recognize that, mm-hmm. you know, it was different then. Tender, she's tender, like a flower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of flowers. <laughs> so I have a little garden in the back of my yard. And for those that are listening to the podcast, you're not going to be able to see this, but I've been talking to my dahlias and asking them to stay nice for Sarah because I thought that she really liked flowers because she often talks about the garden. So Sarah, here's some flowers. Magnificent. (laughs) They're incredible. (laughs) My daughter is the gardener and she planted these for me for Mother's Day and my son. So they nurtured me with these flowers and it's kind of ironic. These are bulbs and they should not come back usually. And usually they haven't. And so this year, these came back and they were the first ones to bloom and they were the most magnificent. And so I want to talk a little bit about our earth because I know that you and your husband have a beautiful farm and you said he's the gardener. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, yes. We, last year we bought a farm and I'm very, very grateful for that opportunity. If I look at where I've come from, you know, when I started with that money story in the book and having no money at all, to have come to that point even is only really because of what I learned in my book. I would not have done it another way. But what I wanted when we bought it is to be in an ecosystem. I lived before in a beautiful house, which was, we were looking towards the ocean and over kind of the hinterland of the Sunshine Coast, which is a beautiful part of Australia. And we had this very elevated, incredible view that was uplifting. But I felt like I needed to be on the earth and in an ecosystem because I just got this feeling that it would teach me a whole lot, actually really about money and about economies and all of that kind of thing. I'm not a natural gardener. I have a lot of earth energy in the Chinese system. I have masses of earth energy. So it really doesn't give me anything to hang around in the soil. I love plants. I love picking vegetables. Luckily, my husband's a fantastic vegetable grower. So picking things, that's a different kind of energy from the earthy stuff. I do have some, I wish I'd brought them. I have these orchids which grow in ways that completely I don't understand. Like I feel like they're just, growing, this sounds really silly, but I feel like they're growing for me because I I love them and I feel like I'm not actually very good at growing things. And they're growing and they flower and they flower and they flower and they, they're just like unbelievable. And I see them when I wake up in the morning. Is there, you, in one of your videos, you're standing there and there's this gorgeous like red background, you're in a blue vest and there is the most magnificent 
orchids I've ever seen. I, I like count the blossoms. I thought there was like 30. I'll have to count them again. But I wonder if that was one of your orchids. Sadly, I don't think so. I think oh. that that's probably, um, yeah, somewhere else. I'll have to, I'll show you sometime my orchids there. And one of them's white. I know this is completely irrelevant, but one of them was completely white when I got it. And the other is this beautiful kind of pinky green color. And the white one is kind of going more and more pinky green. It's like they're just talking to each other all the time. And anyway, what I think is really important about this is I'm beginning to learn about regenerative farming. And, you know, really, I talked to the water in our lake because it was very cloudy and murky and really like, you, when we arrived, we didn't. I didn't want to swim in it. And as soon as I started talking with it and just like asking what it needed, and, and it started getting clearer and clearer. And I'm now talking more to the land and asking the land what it, you know, what does it want from us? How does it really operate well? And it talks, the first thing it said to me was like, you need to grow communities of diversity, which is an ecosystem. It's like not just lots of macadamia trees here, the ecosystem is everything that grows in that area. And the macadamia trees are just one thing. And a tiny ant is just as important as a macadamia tree. Even if there are millions of ants and there's 10 macadamia trees, every bit of those is equally important. And that's a very important thing, I think, in this whole story about money, because we have this thing where if you have lots of money and you run a big business, you're very important. And if you're the cleaner or the admin person or the front desk person, you're very unimportant. And this no. is just like, this is just such nonsense. And how can we build an economy around yeah. that kind of idea? Or so, a business. Or, or a business. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. But the thing is, if we question things like that, we actually have to run our businesses a different way. Mm -hmm. We can't just run a business in the normal way and have different beliefs about it. When your beliefs change, the way you do things change. And then you question all these, you know, the decisions you make have to be made in a different way. So that's kind of what I'm learning about in a rather grounded way, slowly, I would say very slowly on the farm. <laughs> I'm loving this thought that you're having because this year, or I guess it was about 18 months ago when the whole pandemic started, immediately, and I've heard you did the same thing. I did free work every morning, every morning at 9am. I was there, I had themes for all days of the week. And I did it for other people. But I selfishly did it to get myself out of bed because I was struggling mentally with what's happening. Like it was very frightening to me. And I'm very emotional and very sensitive. And one morning I got up and I did my thing, whatever it was, and it was raining and I gave myself permission to go back to bed, but I started to have a meltdown about the pandemic. Like, is this, are we all going to die? Like, I mean, we, at the time I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it was in the very beginning and I was lying there in bed and I was crying and it was the first time in my life that I could feel that there was an end to who we are. Meaning that I felt like there was a string that we hold on to to stay like mentally cognizant. And there was a moment where I saw the end of the string and I've never felt that in my entire life. And all of a sudden I heard the rain get heavier and my guide said to me, soil and water is all you need. You're okay. And in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, honey, you have both. We have good soil, we have good water. 
And I took such comfort to that statement. And that moment moving forward, I had a new relationship with soil and with water. And I think that's when I really started my growth journey with plants and with me. And so I would go every morning, I had this big gardenia plant and I literally, embarrassingly enough, I would bury my whole head into this gardenia and I would just smell it and I would be so grateful. And one day I start counting, there was more and more blossoms. And pretty soon I had 31 blossoms on this little gardenia bush. It wasn't that big. And I loved it so much that it like yours, they start blooming more. So I really do believe the generosity of love and a healthy ecosystem and the belief that we have the ability, as long as we have soil and we have water and air, that we can survive and we can regrow. Even if the worst case scenario, which I'm not saying will happen, nor do I believe will happen. I believe we're in a really high growth state. I don't feel like the world's falling apart. I feel like we're finally getting the pieces back together and looking at the pieces and figuring out how we're going to glue this back together in a way that makes better sense for everyone. Yeah, that actually works. Like the, the way we've been doing it doesn't work anymore. Mm -mm. Uh, I mean, pieces of it work, of course, and we're all functioning, but the overall system, the economy, the systems of governments and things, they don't actually serve where we are. They don't serve enough people. No, they really don't. Mm. They really don't. So I just want to make sure we went over everything that we had talked about. Is there any last final thing, message, before I introduce them in a way to be able to get in touch with you? because we've gone into some very deep topics here. And I, I don't think it'll be overwhelming, but it's definitely, it's very big, the range that we've covered. I just want to share that if you feel like this relationship with money is something that is an issue for you, there are very simple places where we can start. Often it's just about relaxation, learning to how to relax about money. That makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest, after the book launch, I had a little meltdown because I had a healthy account. But you know, when you do a book launch, it took a lot of money. And I had seven, I had seven to 10 people that were helping me and supporting me. And then all the other people that were helping me and my bank account got really low. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh, where'd all my money go? And then I got really angry because I was like, I worked my bottom off. And now I'm looking at a low balance to my account and I'm not happy. And I started to cry and I was really upset with myself. And then after that, I did Sarah's thank you money exercise. And I don't think I would have had the same type of feelings that I had in that moment. But when you're in that space of looking at a bank account that has a few hundred dollars, when you know you need a little bit more, how can you be relaxed? Like help us understand how to relax because I was a hot mess myself. <laughs> well, the first thing I can ask you is, you know, does worrying or being stressed about money make you more money? <laughs> no, it made me cry and have puffy eyes and really be Does it make you better at doing business? Nope. <laughs> Does it make you open to opportunities? No, it didn't it didn't help me at all. If you're relaxed, 
if you're relaxed about something, even if it's like, oh my God, this is an awful situation. But if I'm going to be relaxed and open in that situation, if something comes along, an opportunity, for example, are you in a better position to, to open to it, to see if there's something there for you? Yes, and it becomes enjoyable. Yeah, you know, I, and I can really you do business? That. Yes, you yeah. can do more business. Rather than crying and trying to sort out your makeup, you can actually sit down with somebody who's going to pay you some money. Oh, I was, now, I was, I was doing the whole type of thing. <laughs> like I was a hot mess. There was no makeup happening. It was like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it was an embarrassing moment <laughs> in my so backyard. It is really <laughs> like what I've learned and what I teach people and what they do learn. I actually pe teach people how to relax. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, you just need to relax. It's like, oh, like you say, well, how on earth do I relax when my life feels like it's falling apart financially at the moment. But when you learn how to relax, you use relaxation almost as a technique in that moment so that instead of going to the meltdown, you say, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to relax. And you do, the, you do the things that you've learned to do. And you realize it's like, oh, okay, I'm okay. I can actually, you know, actually all that's happened is I'm still the same person and my bank account says $200 and my bills say $1,000. <laughs> And so it puts you into a position where you can start to deal with it. But what's actually much more significant is that your energy changes. You become more receptive when you're relaxed. And the funny thing is, this is really the, the kind of secret. In a way, money talking to me, what it showed me is that money's alive. And it's, it's very difficult to explain, but it's very alive and very responsive. So if I relax in that meltdown moment, it's actually surprising how often money starts to come in exactly from there. So it's not just relax, it's like relax because it's better to relax than to be stressed, but being relaxed makes you receptive. And it actually makes you receptive to the energy of money. When you're receptive to the energy of money, actually more money can come in. It's just, it does work like that. And so it's working at every level to manage our situations with relaxation rather than stress or worry. And if you just start to master that, it will make a difference. It starts to make a difference immediately. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to have to spend a year now learning how to relax. You can start to get different results in the first week or month. You know, most people very quickly, even a very unrelaxed person like me, as I was, actually, I still got results in my life really quickly, even though I thought, oh, I can't relax at all. But still, my life started to change. Hmm. Oh, I love all of that. And I also love that Sarah talks to energy. Like she talked to her water, she talks to her flowers, and she asks her land what it wants. And I just want to gently invite other people in this moment. It, is it that simple? Yes, it really is. And the only thing that kind of blocks you is the block, right? And that's it. Yeah. That's actually the ego part. It's the bit that says, oh, this isn't real. I can't do it. That's just a little bit of ego, just getting in the way of, yes, you can. <laughs> I, ha I had to laugh. My girlfriend, Sunshine, I have a girlfriend named Sunshine, and she has this big dog. I mean, it's like Clifford, the big puppy. And I'm like, Sunshine, this dog is so big. And she says, I asked it to grow that big. 
when she <laughs> when she got it it was she said oh Taji you're so beautiful but I really like big dogs and the doctor said you stop growing so Taji can you grow bigger and she said the dog kept growing and so this dog is like and it's so beautiful and it's so obedient it's you know it's a gentle giant and so I'm truly in love with this small statement. Just talk to the things around you in your life and ask for what you want from it and offer your service back to it. Like, you know, I love the soil and I love the water and I'm so grateful for both now that I realized that they're here to support me and to nurture me. And I'm so grateful for all of it. Yeah, it really is as simple as that. Mm. Oh, this is a beautiful place. Do you believe it's a beautiful place to to sign off with the audience? And I really, I can't speak enough for promoting The Leading Edge, the new program, as well as Thank You Money. And Sarah's book is an absolute must read. And because of her beautiful voice, she actually reads the book. It really resonated with me with her voice. So I'm just sharing that with you because if you're very auditory, the book is is like listening to a slice of heaven. I actually felt a spiritual relationship for me. And I realized that money is like an angel. Like it's an entity now. It's not a piece of paper. It's my friend. And I ask it to come with me wherever I go. And it, it comes with me now. I have a different life with money. And I'm yes. so grateful. Thank you for sharing your work. Even when you thought <laughs> it was like, oh, I don't know where to put this work. And thank you for putting it in the world. Thank you. Thank you for also giving me an opportunity to share it a little bit more widely it's uh, that you know that's the thing that really makes the difference is that people get an opportunity also to have some of what you're having <laughs> well i'm i'm grateful for the opportunity to be in your program and uh, and the people too just the connection with the people let alone sarah's very deep beautiful work it's equal to say about the people that she attracts that come into her program yeah they're great people I must say, I love, yeah, I love it. I love the way people connect with each other. And then they don't feel that loneliness anymore in, in this world of today. They're part of something that allows them to find themselves. And uh, that provides us with all the answers. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I feel, I feel very grateful. I feel like I have a beautiful life and that you've helped my life to bloom as lovely as the flower. So thank you. Thank you. In the show notes, we're going to have information about how to get in touch with Sarah. Is there anything that you want us to put in the show notes for the leading edge or? We've talked quite widely here. So I think that people who've listened to this might be interested in this. I have a scorecard. It's a money scorecard. That sounds like what? Oh, no, I don't want to look. You know, that sounds a bit hard, but it's not really because it's all about the energy of money and your relationship with money. And it helps you to look really honestly at your relationship with money, your relationship with work, relationship with purpose, because these things are very closely linked, and also your financial organization. And it will give you some insight into that. It, at the end of it also, there's a free ebook called Work Lighter, Get Richer, which is a nice introduction if you want to learn a bit more. And you can find the Money Scorecard at moneyscorecard.app. 
Okay. And so we got all that. I really encourage you to take that scorecard because I took it and I didn't do very well in the beginning. I did okay in my business. There were some personal things in the scorecard. So I'm going to be excited to do it again at the end of the program. I'm going to give myself a reprieve until I complete the thank you money course. And so thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to CandiceHaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.